And good morning. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and Anchor FM and some of the other platforms we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. And I'm Warren Landis, your Sunshine USA host and Bible study uh, teacher. So it is a great joy to welcome you to the program today. Um, I'm going to start off the program today with a prayer request for myself. Uh, I try not to overly mention myself as being in need of prayer because I think the needs that you have are more important than the needs that I have. But in this particular case, I've got a problem with my right ear. Uh, It has been bleeding overnight, and uh, obviously that is a matter of concern for me. And so later today, I'm going to hopefully see a doctor that will be able to tell me a little bit more than I know now. Uh, Of course, now in recent months, I have had uh, a lot of trouble with my hearing. And uh, and so um, I do need to have you pray that God will heal my ears if it be his will, I, I still believe that healing is for our day as well as it was for the day of Jesus. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, Jesus healed people in the day of Jesus, but not today. But I believe uh, Jesus heals today just like he did then. Uh, I don't think that the gift of healing ended with the apostles. Uh, I think the gift of healing continues to this day. One reason is because God has already healed me a number of times in a number of different areas, and I've seen other people miraculously healed of God. And so there's no other explanation I could come up with except for the fact that obviously uh, Jesus does still heal people today. And so those of you that are praying people, I hope that you will pray for me, that God will uh, grant to me a healing for my ears. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's uh, do go to the Lord in a word of prayer right now. Um, Some days uh, I'll let you pray before the broadcast begins, but today I'm going to actually lead us in a word of public prayer as we go into the broadcast today. Dear Jesus, I hope that you will bless this uh, program. Give me the words to say that somebody needs to hear. And Lord, help me not to say anything you don't want me to say and help me to say everything you want me to say. And Lord, I certainly want to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything that's accomplished on this program today. And Lord, I also want to pray for the needs of our radio audience. We have so many needs out there, Lord. We have people in financial need. We have marriages that need healing. We have people that are in need of uh, housing. They need help with the utilities. And Lord, we know that whatever concerns us also concerns you. 
And Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can turn to you in prayer regarding any need that we have. Lord, we know that nothing for you is impossible. All things are possible. And so we do come to you right now in prayer. Take charge of this radio broadcast and help us to get from your word what you would have us to get from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we're in the seventh chapter of Luke. And uh, in this seventh chapter of Luke, we are talking about Jesus. Now, yesterday, we talked about uh, John the Baptist, who had sent messengers to Jesus. And uh, these messengers uh, wanted to have some assurance that Jesus was indeed and in fact who he said he was. And of course, Jesus gave the messengers the report that, you know, people are being healed, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the dumb can speak, the lame can walk, people are being raised from the dead. So Jesus is telling the messengers of John the Baptist that, uh, these miracles are happening. Now, obviously, that means that Jesus was telling these messengers, hey, I'm the real deal. I am who I say I am. And so the messengers go back to John the Baptist with that particular message. Um, in John chapter, I mean, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 24, Luke chapter 7, verse 24, we read, And when the messengers of John the Baptist were departed, he, that is Jesus, began speaking to the people concerning John. What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind? And what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in the king's courts. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say unto you, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I have sent my messenger before my face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are more uh, born of women, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now that's uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. Now, Let's take a look at these uh, verses that I just read, and let us take note of the fact that Jesus is actually paying a compliment to John the Baptist. He is also reaffirming uh, the great opinion that he has of John the Baptist. He reminds the people that John the Baptist was sent into this world to prepare 
the way for Jesus. Now, you know, at the church that I go to, that would be the San Susi Church in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, our pastor is bringing some messages regarding the mission of our church and, and the purpose of our church, which includes our purpose for being here on this earth as Christian believers. And one of the points that he made in the message just this past Sunday is that God has a purpose for each one of us. That purpose was known by God even before we were born. And John the Baptist was also born with a purpose, you see. John the Baptist's purpose on this earth was to prepare the way for Jesus. And Jesus is affirming what a great prophet John the Baptist has been and still is. Now, bearing in mind, as Jesus is saying all this, where is John the Baptist? He's in prison. And he's awaiting execution. And, as you can imagine, even though he was a great man of God, greatly used of God, as we talked about on the program yesterday, John the Baptist was going through a time of persecution. And uh, he was uh, feeling uh, depressed, down in the dumps. And, by the way, we need to pray for people that are depressed. Depression is actually a real legitimate illness. And I think you'll find that a lot of people get depressed from time to time. Now, some people get depressed to the point that it becomes very serious and their lives become uh, unstabilized. But John the Baptist is at least going through a period of depression. And so he is actually in need of the encouragement and reaffirmation that Jesus is providing here. And, uh, and then Jesus makes the very interesting statement that John the Baptist is probably the greatest prophet there ever was. <laughs> now, when Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords makes that statement about you, you know, hey, this is great. This is great. But Jesus also goes on to say that those who are least in heaven are greater than John the Baptist. Those that are least in heaven will be greater than John the Baptist. You know, I've often thought about who are going to be the real heroes in heaven? Who are going to be the real heroes in heaven? Now, you know, I mean, I think about uh, great preachers in our day, like uh, Billy Graham, for example. Billy Graham was uh, a great man of God, a great servant of God. I think about uh, Dwight, Moody, Dwight L. Moody. 
Today we have both a church and a Bible institute named after him. I, I think about other great men. W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell wrote a pastor's handbook, which uh, is still in my library to, that, to this day. And it has served as a guide for me in the ministry. In fact, uh, now I haven't performed that many weddings in my ministry, but I have performed a few. And I use uh, some wedding material that W.A. Criswell used in his own ministry and is reproduced in his pastoral handbook. Great man of God. So I, I wonder sometimes who are going to be the real heroes in heaven. But you know, I got a funny feeling that the real heroes in heaven are going to be people we never heard of. I think right now about missionaries who serve, for example, in the jungles of Africa or the jungles of Asia. And uh, they're never really heard from except in the villages as remote as they are where they serve. I think about pastors of small churches that get up on Sunday morning and they preach to a crowd of no more than 30 or 40 people. I remember back in the mid-1980s, the Lord allowed me to be interim pastor of a church in Louisiana. It was a small town in Louisiana, Franklin, Louisiana to be exact. And this small church was located way out in the boonies. I mean, way out in the middle of nowhere. And some really great Christians were part of that church. And they had great faith. And they did great things for God. But there was only about 30 or 40 members in that whole church. Now, one of the things I will say is that the service attendance was pretty good. We had about 30 or 40 people present on uh, Sunday morning. But we probably had just as many people present Sunday night and just as many pre people present for the midweek service. Now, by the way, they had their midweek service on Thursday night instead of Wednesday night. That's okay. <laughs> Amen. Bible doesn't say the midweek service has to be on Wednesday night. It can be on Thursday night. Amen. <laughs> but uh, the people there were very faithful in their attendance. Uh, I would say very consistently, 80 or 90% of the people in the church membership role were present every service, as far as I could tell. And that actually was something commendable that I could say about my congregation that you couldn't say about many churches across America. Some of these churches, with, which might have a 1,000 in attendance on Sunday morning, but they have 3,000 or more on the membership rolls. Statistically, that's not near as good as what I had. Amen. So I often think that sometimes some of the greatest people in heaven are going to be people we never heard of. 
people who get up and preach like these small church pastors do. Sunday after Sunday, they get up in the pulpit, they preach. Only 30 or 40 people there. No radio ministry, no television ministry. Maybe no internet ministry. And they do this faithfully week after week, month after month, year after year. And I think to myself, I say, you know, those are the kind of guys that might be the real heroes in heaven. Even though we never heard of them here on the surf. What about Bible translators? You know, we still have, I understand, hundreds of people groups on this planet which still have no Bible in their own native language. And I think about people like Wycliffe Bible translators and others who have devoted their life to painstakingly translating the Bible into languages of people that have yet to have a copy of the scriptures in their own language. I think about the scribes who wrote copies of the Word of God prior to the printing press. Think about how meticulous a job that was. It was very interesting to note that these scribes needed anywhere from 10 months to two years to handwrite a single copy of the Word of God. And when they finished, they sold it usually for a year's salary. Now put that into our language today. What does that look like? Especially when it says they sold the Bible for a year's salary. What is your salary for the year? Would you say uh, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars or more? Would you pay that much money for a single copy of the Word of God? There have been times down through the years when people have done exactly that. They did without other things so that they could have a copy of God's Word, the Bible. So when I think about some of the things that people have done down through the years, very important things, even though these are things that, for the most part, we've never heard of. Jesus indicates, you know what, these are the kind of people that are going to be greatest in heaven. And they're going to be greater than John the Baptist. You know, I love to read Baptist history in particular, since I am a Baptist. And also, just in general, I love to read church history. I love to read about how congregations have banded together to serve the Lord and worship the Lord. I read about this one church. They were in the New England area of the United States. This was back in the colonial period. But there was great persecution there. 
And so they decided to move the church to South Carolina. They moved the whole church to South Carolina. Not the church building, you understand, but, I mean, they moved the church. The congregation left their hometown up in the New England States area. I forget what town it was, but it was in the New England States area, and they moved all the way down to the state of South Carolina. And they established a church there. Think about the faith that was involved there. Think about the personal sacrifice that these people had to make. Pulling up stakes. Pulling up their lives by the roots and putting in themselves in another part of the country. How awesome is that? And boy, I tell you, it's just great. <laughs> you know, one of the things I love about reading, one of the things I love about reading the about the early colonists is that when they came to America, one of the first buildings that they built was the church. Now, the colonists were also practical in that they built buildings that could be used as a church on Sunday, and Monday through Friday it was a school building. But the church was the first building that they built. That's how important God was to their lives. And think about these colonists in general. They left a wealthy, comfortable life in England and other European countries. They came over to the United States, having basically given up all that they have to do so. And why did they do that? They did it only for one reason, and that was the freedom to worship God as they so desired. They gave up everything near and dear to their lives in order to come to a new world and have the freedom to worship and serve God. What a great blessing that was. Okay? <laughs> so now we begin to see what Jesus meant when he says, whoever is least in heaven will be even greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> in fact, you know, Jesus said, you know, of the stuff I do, guess what? He says you could do even greater stuff than that. And you think about it, uh, Jesus is uh, knowing that today we face all kinds of persecution. We face many obstacles. And there are still many in this world that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of my biggest priorities every day outside of spending time alone with the Lord is the priority of doing this radio ministry called Sunshine USA. I am determined to do my part 
to tell a lost and a dying world about Jesus Christ. I mean, if we could um, get a live television picture from hell and we see souls down there screaming and crying out in pain because now they're in hell and guess what? They're going to be there forever and forever and forever and ever. There's going to be no end in sight to their pain and suffering. A million years from now, they're not going to have one second less to spend in this terrible, awful place that the Bible calls hell. And I think about the fact that we don't hear a lot of sermons today about hell. You know, one day I preached a sermon on hell, and this was back when I was interim pastor of a church in Louisiana. I brought a sermon on hell, and um, one of the seminary students I go to school with, the next day in seminary, he says, Hey, Warren, what did you preach on yesterday? I said, I brought a sermon on hell. He couldn't believe it. His opinion was, you know, as preachers, we need to bring positive, encouraging messages. And those are the messages that all of us as preachers love to preach. But we also know that sometimes as preachers, we have to bring the kind of message that we would rather not preach, such as a message on hell. Um, I can remember... Back in the 1960s and 70s, I heard a lot more sermons on hell than I hear today. I think it's a very sad commentary, by the way. And if you're a pastor listening to this broadcast, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had a sermon on the subject of hell? When was the last time you warned people that if they didn't get saved, they would spend eternity in this terrible, awful place called hell? You see, today, because people don't hear so many sermons anymore on hell, they assume there's no real consequence for not being a Christian. And so, therefore, they choose not to become a Christian. But if they could only see what awaited them, if they continue to reject Christ, I think many of these people would have a change of mind. They would have a change of heart. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's amazing some of the things I ramble off into, but I think God had a purpose in that. Now let's go on further. It says, and all the people that heard him and the publicans ju justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another, saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced, and we have borne to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and yet you say he is of the devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, 
And ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. And when one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with tears, and she wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came, and have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now, <laughs> let's talk about this for a moment. We find that this woman is washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and with her hair. And she's also uh, anointed him with very expensive oil. And all the Pharisees could think about is this. All they were thinking is, Jesus obviously don't know what kind of woman this is. Well, of course, they forgot that Jesus knows everything. I think Jesus was well aware of all the sins this woman had committed. In all likelihood, she was, up to that point, a very immoral 
woman. But she had become a follower of Jesus and was now expressing her love for Jesus because she knew that she had been forgiven. And in fact, she had been forgiven not just of one sin, but many sins. And that's why Jesus says, you know, whoever is forgiven of the most sins, they're going to love me the most. And, and then he has some rebuking words to say to Peter. He says, look, you invited me over to your house, yet you haven't washed my feet. You see, now that was a big thing. You know, back in those days, if you invited someone over there, over to your home, it was customary to wash their feet. People in those days, they had dirty feet. But Peter didn't do that. The woman did that, but Peter didn't. Peter didn't pour any kind of expensive oil on the head of Jesus. And Peter probably was a person of financial means. I mean, he, he probably could have bought a lot more expensive oil than this woman did. But he didn't do that. But the woman did. You see, her actions showed how grateful she was. And Jesus tells her to go her way, go in peace. Her sins have been forgiven. Aren't we glad that Jesus is still in the business today of forgiving sins? Jesus chooses not to focus on the sinful lives that we have lived in the past. He sees what we have the potential of becoming yet in the future. You know, it's always exciting when someone gets saved and comes to know Christ as Savior. Whenever I hear about someone getting saved, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in their life as a result. Whenever I hear about a young man entering the ministry, and he begins enrolling in Bible college or seminary, I think to myself, what kind of person are they going to turn out to be? I think about my own days in college and seminary. I could tell you some pretty interesting stories about some of the people that I went to school with and some of the great things they have done for God. It's exciting to see people who are so grateful for what God has done for them that they in turn go out and do great things for God. I'm thinking about this one guy I went to school with. I think he ended up with a doctoral degree. He was one of these guys that had the credentials to go to any church in America and be their pastor. And no doubt, he probably would have drawn a six-figure income. But he chose to go to the mission field. A mission field that didn't pay him near as much as what he would have made as pastor of one of these big steeple, big church <laughs> congregations. And instead, he devotes his life to the mission field. 
serving in a remote jungle somewhere, telling the villagers there about Jesus Christ. I mean, here is a man that for, decided to forego all the money he could have made as pastor of one of these megachurches and instead go to a part of the world that was so remote they had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I tell you, these are also among the people that I believe are going to be the unsung heroes of heaven. People that most of us have never heard of. And yet, day after day, they continue to serve God in amazing ways. Amen. Think about people like Mother Teresa. Think about all she did for the cause of the poor in her lifetime. I mean, Mother Teresa materially could have had a lot more than she ended up with. But it said she was already determined anything she got was going to go right back to the poor. That was her heart. That was her passion. Going back to the sermon that my pastor brought just this past Sunday. He asked a couple of interesting questions. What am I willing to risk in order to fulfill God's purpose in my life? What am I willing to risk in order to fulfill God's purpose in my life? What am I willing to give up? What have you given up in order to fulfill God's purpose in your own life? What are you even still willing to give up in order to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Amen. Okay, now, um, I want to say that this brings us to the end of chapter 7. It also concludes our Bible study for this particular broadcast. And next time we'll pick up where we left off this time. I want to remind you, though, that if you have any prayer requests, if you have uh, any Bible study questions, I would love to hear from you. I have two email addresses, and that's the best way to contact me. My first email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And I might add that is the email that I use the most. And then my other email address is warrenlandis at gmail.com, warrenlandis at gmail.com. And then if you want to write to me snail mail, my snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And before you close that envelope, if the Lord lays it on your heart to donate money to this ministry, 
I can't think of a better place you could do it. <laughs> I tell you, I try to use wisely any money that comes in for this ministry. It's all used for the purpose of this podcast. And I might add, I don't get paid a single dime for doing this podcast. I do it only for a couple of reasons. Number one, I love God. And number two, I love you more than you can imagine. I have a desire to take all that I know about the Word of God and share it with you. You know, when I think about how God has used me in this podcasting ministry called Sunshine USA, I feel so unworthy. Because I know that after all, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. You know, when I see a a drunken homeless person staggering down the street, you know what I think? I think if it weren't for the grace of God, that could be me. If it weren't for the grace of God, that could be me. When I look at my own life, and I try every day to look at my own life, I say, Lord, Shine a light on those areas of my life that need correcting. And Lord, help me to do whatever it takes for me to become more like you. That's so important. I heard a song one time. I'm not going to even try to sing it on the program right now. But the lyrics said something like this, Lord, I want to be more like you. Because I've got a son that wants to be more like me. And that's when the father realized the great influence he has. And he says, Lord, the more my son wants to be like me, I want to be like you. So that I could be a shining example for him to follow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I've enjoyed uh, this time with you this morning. And like I say, feel free to send me your prayer request, and I'll be glad to pray for you. And if you give me uh, permission, I'll be glad to uh, share these prayer requests with our huge radio audience. I know when I have prayer requests of my own, like I did at the beginning of this broadcast, I know it's a great comfort to me to know that I've got Christians all over the world and all over the country praying for my healing and praying for whatever problem I have. And I know that the same is true for you as well. So thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.